So we begin. Hey, bud. How's it going? You know, hanging in there. Hanging and wanging. Um, yeah. Sorry, it's been a little while. It's been a, it's been a long while. I think we should probably do like some sort of intro because, uh, you know, if anyone's listening to this, they will have never listened to one of our episodes before. Seems highly unlikely. I would hope not. Yeah, well, this is gonna. This is the new and improved. My dad's gonna be listening to this. I guess we should say what day it is too. It is right now. It's the end of March, right? Last day of March. Last day of March, thirty first. Yeah, because I think it's gonna be important to document the timeline of where we are in uh, in history right now as this goes on. Uh, yeah. Well, I think that history will remember today as the day that my chest freezer was supposed to come from Home Depot, but did not. <laughs> All right, well, I, I was saying maybe we should do a little intro. Um, so this is Henry and Hops. Uh, we are restarting the podcast because we are currently in quarantine. Uh, this has been going on for about two weeks now in the U.S., and we thought it'd be a good time to resurrect our dumb podcast about a economics politics and beer because um you know people need things to listen to and we like to hear ourselves talk so here we are henry and hops quarantine theme song the intro song we're singing along drinking beer and talking about politics uh, henry, henry and hops song, politics and beer adventures with hops for your ear holes to hear so let's have henry a brew hops, maybe just three or two perchance discover new henry shit that hops. we never knew so come along that's the henry end of our hops. song yeah oh that, that actually is the end of that's it uh we just talk culture and shit i think we should start off with a beer how do you feel about that? Yeah, well, I think patient. we should start off with what beer we're drinking. Because, you know, for the for the new listeners, this is primarily a, a beer podcast, despite the fact that we will spend most of the time talking about other things, probably unrelated to the topic we came here to talk about. If all goes correctly, yes. Um, okay, well, I'll start it off. I, I got some fancier, more coveted maybe beers for later but i'm going back to the basics where it all began pliny the elder from our friends over russian river brewing you say going and, back to the basics with one of the like most coveted beers in america well it's just like double ipa is my favorite style of beer this is one of the classic west coast double ipas and i think i told you this already but for our many many listeners out there i um I have a Pliny the Elder clone homebrew going right now, a five-gallon batch. It's a little less. For for those who don't know a lot about brewing, when you say you're doing a clone, do you mean that you've imitated the hop bill, the malt bill, the yeast bill, all three? Uh, great question, yeah. So it is essentially a perfect replica of the beer that is taken down to a five-gallon batch. And this is somewhat unique because oftentimes clones refer to like some dude on a, it's usually a dude, on a beer forum who is like backwards engineered a recipe by like looking at the hop bill from the can and then doing a bunch of nerdy research and figuring out exactly what probably is in it. But this one was easy in that Vinny, who's the head I don't know if he's still the head brewer, but he's the owner and was for a very long time the head brewer over at Russian River. Provided more beer, which is a, one of the two big online beer supply companies 
uh, with a, an exact replica of the recipe. So it's probably not even considered a clone, technically. And what's nice, obviously, about brewing a beer that you can buy in the store locally, at least here, is that you can taste them next to each other. And that's what's exciting to me. It's like I'll buy another bottle when I tap my keg for the first time and have something directly that it, quote, should taste like. I was at the I was at the homebrew supply shop a little while ago getting CO2 to carbonate my first beer that I made for my daughter's first birthday party. Um, to be clear, you didn't make beer for your daughter. She didn't want any. Yeah, she's kind of a snob. She just is into kettle sours. Oh, I thought she was drinking more wine or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you have a baby now, too. I, I mean... This is a bit off topic, but you, you that's a new addition to this podcast, right? Do we never talk about being a parent? No, getting married. That's what it was. Yeah, I think the previous I, life milestone. Yeah, I think uh, I think we haven't done an episode since She's one year and two months. One year and almost. two months. So definitely not did not make the airing and neither no. did the pregnancy, so this is all new news. There's a baby involved in the podcast now, guys. And take that into factor when you think about Hunter. He's a father. <laughs> Don't think too hard about that. Um, but it, it is really fun. We can talk more about that maybe. Yeah, well, well maybe we I'm... should. That's where we should go next. But I, first I should say what I'm drinking. And then maybe we'll jump into that first segment, I think. Perfect. Um, so I did not prep well beer-wise for this. But then specifically for this podcast, when I went to a grocery store last week to get some goods that we needed for the house, I did pick up. A variety pack of uh, Monday Night Brewing called uh, Case of the Mondays. Nice. And uh, it's it's an ever-changing variety pack. This particular one has an IPA, a blood orange IPA, a scotch ale, and a lemon blackberry sour. Wow. So it's a pretty eclectic bunch. <laughs> and all of them are pretty good. Uh, they're from Atlanta, Georgia, so supporting local brewers. I, that's another update. I moved to Atlanta, guys. But the one I'm drinking right now is the Blind Pirate, which is a blood orange IPA. It's an ale brewed with blood oranges, as you'd expect. 7.4%. You know, I not to get like too off track real quickly, but I do miss the variety pack that Flying Dog used to have. Remember the old Flying Dog variety pack with the tiny bottles? No. I was like, what, like Saranac? Okay, so Flying Dog used to have... A uh, eight pack variety pack that was actually like a four pack because it was eight six ounce bottles, so tiny bottles because they were all like nine percent and above beer. So it was like a triple, a barley wine, a double IPA, and something else that I can't remember because it's been a long time. And it was much more palatable at that serving size because they were the serving they would equal a regular beer. So you could drink a bunch of different kinds of beer without feeling like after two beers in you were completely loaded. I thought it was a great idea. I don't know why it would disappear. Anyway, side Interesting, note. man. Weird. Yeah, maybe I'll post. I was um, going to say, we should post some pics of these beers on uh, on a Twitter or something so people can check them out. Oh, we have a we actually have a website, so put them up on there. All right, so so why are we doing this, Hunter? I mean, I, I talked a little bit about this, but uh, but like, what are, what are we focusing on today? Like, why are we doing a, a podcast about quarantine? Well, I think that, you know... There's two things. The first one is that I've always looked at these partly as a, as a nice way to stay in touch and have a more structured conversation with you. And it doesn't really matter who listens. But at the same time, it would be great if, if someone listened to it because 
I don't do a lot, but you put a lot of work in editing it. So that alone would be would be nice for other folks to hear. But the other main reason that I've always liked doing this is because it's a snapshot of a moment in time in our lives and perhaps in history or you know, maybe there's a less grandiose way of putting that. And it's, it's a it's a moment, it's a it's a one hour time capsule of whatever we were thinking and talking about when we recorded it. It probably probably is this desire to document like how bad things were in the moment for history given our limited reach is is more just like for my own sake to remind myself for sure about what it's kind of like a really low low entry point diary basically where you do all the work and I got to hear what I thought on this date but yeah and when you talk about like it being a historical reference I still think that's true I mean obviously we don't want to grandize this and think that first of all that anyone's actually listening because I don't think any of our I think at most we've had a hundred listeners maybe to one episode you know what I mean in the history of this podcast it's not a wide wide ranging yeah but I mean like I feel like I could I could write a post on Facebook that gets more Traction to my friends than this podcast from time to time. Not and that and that might be too self defeating. But you you understand my point. I'm not. I, we're definitely not aggrandizing ourselves, thinking that we're important in history. But I think what you said is very apt. That uh, like Samuel Johnson's uh, biography, which this is aggrandizing for sure. That's why I had to cut us down before I said this. We are capturing a moment in history so that. People remember what it was like, including ourselves, especially ourselves, what it was like at that moment because things are changing so rapidly right now. And I think that's one of the things we talked about with this podcast is that, you know, one of the reasons we want to cite the date is because we don't know what things are going to be like when we release this. And we certainly don't know what things will be like when we record our next episode uh, because this is happening so quickly. Yeah, man. It's like really... And that's why I'm, that's why I was like wanting jumping at this opportunity was just because things are moving so fast and also it's kind of one of those things where when you're in the middle of history it's hard to know recognize it for what it is. And I know? and I think one of the things we talked about when we talked about doing this podcast was the idea that we would stress most of all this idea of first of all this is a temporary thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this isn't going to last forever. It's a time period that will elapse. It is shorter than a war, and uh, it's something that we can manage. And the second thing was that we should uh, stay calm no matter what, that there's no reason to panic. Uh, no matter how bad things get, really, like, my dad has this big thing about, like, fear is the mind killer, that quote from Dune, you know? Your dad played Doom? No, Dune, the book Dune that they're making a movie of. Is he going to play the new one? Oh, dude, I want to play that game so bad. We can get into games later. We'll get to games later. <laughs> I'm just but, I'm just being a dick. No, no, I but know, the, but, I know. But, that, but Fear is the Mind Killer and, uh, and Hitchhiker's Guide, Don't Panic, have been in my head a lot during this time period. And, of course, Lord of the Rings, because Lord of the Rings is always in my head. But So I was going to save this for when we we're going to talk about positive news, but uh, early, early reports are that... Um, on average, the Bay Area is drinking forty-two percent more alcohol than usual. While Holy shit! <laughs> All right, let's let's. I I want to I want to jump into this first section, but I'm wondering if just for like two three minutes before before we like really get into everything we're supposed to be talking about today, which you know again we're doing a great job staying on topic. Uh, I just want to ask. So you're now working uh, with 
the homeless population in San Francisco, right? That's one of the things that you're doing with your job. Certainly in service of, not necessarily hand in glove, which as an aside, that's a phrase that I feel like I had heard maybe once before this outbreak and, and uh, uh, organizations and governments talking about how closely they're working together. Our governor, Gavin Newsom, loves to fucking say being working hand in glove. And <laughs> I just find that mildly creepy for some reason. That's all. I love it. Um, so, hand in glove. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you're making... <laughs> The simple well, gloves, ask, gloves uh, are very important simple... right now. They're just trying to stress the importance of wearing gloves. And, and... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, very topical. Yeah, uh, but I wanted we're, to ask you, like, like working, is there anything that mask you... and face? Yeah, is there anything San Francisco's yeah. doing? You know, you've I, I you've probably seen these articles on the internet about like people in Nevada, the homeless population sleeping in parking lots spaced out like six feet. Yeah apart is there anything in san francisco that they're doing to help the homeless population because like you said the people at the bottom of the ladder are going to be the people most affected by what's happening right now um yeah are, are, yeah. The, are those people is, is the city trying to find ways to look out for that vulnerable population that will eventually you know hit er's etc even though they don't have medical insurance for the most part it's not a dig on homeless people to be clear that's just the reality of the system of how we do insurance here. Oh, that's a that's a great question joshua and i just want to preface this by saying that you did not tell me that you're going to ask this before <laughs> no no this is not on the schedule again this is off topic no but i say that because and, and i'm asking you to summarize in like three minutes no which, I'm, you know it, it's it was a very a, easy task it was a positive thing because so i work at the chronic homelessness initiative at Tempe point community which is a Foundation in SF were a five-year initiative to cut chronic homelessness in half in San Francisco over five years. We have like two and a quarter years left. So what I was going to say is that we're our ear is to the ground as to what the response to the homelessness, the homeless population is in regards to this. And we have, I mean, we have a pretty significant homeless population. It's assumed to be around 8,000 folks. Um, in a city of you know 850,000 so it's a little less than 1% of our population is unhoused and I don't know how that compares to other major metropolitan areas but obviously you can't wash your hands and maintain six feet from your you know neighbor if you live in a tent and under the highway right so all of these things it was just this like cruelly ironic uh, one sentence or two sentence paragraph and when they rolled out our shelter in place two and a half weeks ago on uh, the 16th of March, um, how basically you are legally compelled to stay in your house except for essential activities, including, you know, going to the grocery store, drugstore, etc., and like exercise. They said the homeless population is exempt. And it's funny because exempt almost sounds initially like you're... Um, doing them a solid they don't they don't need to adhere to these rules but you're like exempt because they don't have a fucking house to be in like no shit what like yeah, being not choice. exempt would probably be better because that means that you're going to provide them with some shelter right like so yeah yeah all right so let's jump in we're going to cut a couple of these sections down time wise i'm timing a bit of this try to get us out at a certain time 
Um, but uh, let's let's jump into this first part. So we so every episode while we're in quarantine, we want to kind of discuss where we are in terms of quarantine. We've already touched base on this a little bit, but like what's been going on? We've now been here for about two weeks, right? When did your quarantine start? Sixteenth. Sixteenth. Yeah, so two I, weeks yesterday. It was the same for me. It, I mean, officially the fifteenth because I was self quarantining by then. Um, the fourteenth, I, I wanted to, but my job was still happening, so we can get into that in a second. But uh, what what have you? Oh been yeah, doing? I was doing it from the previous week. Is what I was. Yeah, I was. I've been doing it for over three weeks now. So you so you didn't have anything on that Saturday or Sunday. You didn't like go to a bar or anything because I know people who are like still going out that weekend, which I would not have done. No, I went to Costco though. I, well, I mean, so, you still have to you go that. to the grocery store. People still have to do that. I know. That was, that was the last time I went to Costco, though. Interesting, interesting. I mean, you could go. If, if Theoretically, if people are keeping up social distancing, I don't think there's anything wrong with going to Costco. It's more about, like, trusting no, I enough could. to go to yeah. Costco. <laughs> um, I could. I would definitely wear a mask, though, now, and I didn't then. Yeah, for sure. Masks are becoming a big thing now. I mean, I think we've at, we hit a point a few weeks ago where it was bad to buy masks for a few reasons, because we were underproducing them, because hospitals hadn't really been given a chance to react with the new budgets they were given to buy masks, uh, and because uh, the, the medical science didn't necessarily back up the necessity for it. Now that we know about how long it lasts in the air, uh, how long it lasts on surfaces, and, um, and we've been able to both ramp up production and given hospitals at least a chance to participate in the buying thing. I think they it's becoming a more uh, and, and people are making masks too. Like there's not just like people aren't just using the N95s and the ones that are necessarily uh, you know almost foolproof against this. They're coming up with home remedies, just which, which is good too. Yeah, I have a, a couple a couple thoughts. So like. Man, the thing about the masks is, it was all, it was always a, assuming that there were an infinite number of masks, okay, or at least enough for every person to wear one every day, a new one. Um, like it would be better, all things equal, if we all wore masks. Like 100%. there's no question, no question, right? Obviously. There never was a question. No, it was always about the limited supply, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it was like. Like, for me, I probably don't need to buy a case of masks that's then a, you know, a fucking hospital can't buy because they're going to give me marginal benefit. They're going to provide a huge benefit for the hospital. Yeah, and the chances so, of you coming into contact with it in an airborne way is very unlikely in your day-to-day activities, especially if you're quarantined. Compared to someone that is working in that industry. Like exactly, they're, they're or in any industry, to. like in those things we were talking about. Like if you're working in a grocery store, you probably should have a mask grocery, at this yeah. point, that kind of stuff. That's. I think those are all reasonable things to think about at this point, uh, considering the situation. Now, we should be producing more masks, obviously, and we'll get into that more in a bit. But, but I think it is that time now where we have to embrace that masks are, they're not just something that, that is an ideal, but they're a necessity now almost. Uh, for society well you know what's funny i mean i think i think what's so fascinating about all this shit all this like rapid uh habit uh changing is like i went into my local like the only grocery store i've been to within two weeks i think at this point in person i order a lot of groceries online and i I definitely have feelings about that because that's that's fucked up i'm making someone else who feels they need to work this job 
go get my groceries at the grocery store for me because I don't want to take the risk. But then I like kind of justified by saying like, well, you know, I, I have a, I have a kid, but like she's not, she's less likely than I am to get it. So it's all about like how you sleep at night. But what I was going to say is that, um, when I went to my beer store, <laughs> uh, the first time since I kind of got more serious about this and I wasn't going to grocery stores or anything like that, I like wore my N9, my, my broke ass N95 mask from the fires couple years ago oh yeah everyone in cali like, has in these the... fire masks that nobody has on these coast. yeah it's like the one time that yeah, prep well, helped out <laughs> well the only problem is that like it's so dirty it's probably not even working it's like all like kind of limp it's like very you know it's not like a fresh <laughs> there's mask. no way it works there's no way it works for what it's supposed to mm. it's probably providing the same benefits as a surgical mask or like a well-run worn you know cloth mask that you were making yourself there's no way it's filtering like it's supposed to you said it was expired, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just how it works. No, I don't think it was necessarily expired. Oh, it's but just like, old and droopy. Oh, like just used hella times. Oh, well, the then fires. again, that's that's basically expired because the filter has a certain amount. It's like you know any air filter; it has a certain amount of use you can get out of it, and then it doesn't work anymore. Right. That's small. Okay. No, let me start over. Sorry. So I was in the I was at the beer store and I was feeling hella self conscious, and I was like checking out. I was like. I'm not sick. I'm just paranoid. I got a daughter. I'm like I was like I was like really uh, like self conscious. I, I don't want him to think daughter. that I was just like. It's not just about me, I, man. And then I like. Oh no no no! I'm cool. I'm a cool. I'm a cool dude. But like, I got a yeah. daughter at home. I feel like that just like kind of half works in any situation. Sure. It's like well you know I would try this uh this really weird uh awful but. Like I got a daughter at home and I might get sick and I gotta you know I gotta be around. <laughs> I so, wish I could have used that against so that, I think, that guy who was following me around the store this weekend because like, and he was like in his sixties. What was he doing? So I kept well, I so I'm walking around the store and like every I he's not doing it on purpose obviously he's just walking around the store like it's an everyday occurrence like nothing's going on and it's so weird to me because at the time I'm at the store they're literally making an announcement on the public radio that's playing through the speakers about social distancing. And this guy, within the course of maybe five minutes, has followed me down four aisles, right? Like, How close? Like he keeps getting, it's like he's trying to touch me. Like he gets within like three feet and then I like run away down the next aisle. And then like within a few minutes of being in that aisle, he starts following me again. And I know he's not following me. Like he's clearly just doing his grocery shopping like I said, like it's a normal day, but he's in his sixties. You know, he's a male. Like, he's he's you are a target demographic person. I shouldn't have to tell you to social distance better. You know, I'm trying to look out for your benefit, bud. Not that I'm not. I know, man. That's the that's the that's the trickiest situation is when you're the younger person and there's an old person that you don't know and that they're being the irresponsible one. Yeah, because usually it's the other way around. Like I can I feel fine. Like you know yelling at the rascals at the park but not so much my elders i don't believe that you've ever yelled at a rascal at a park never never but it sounded sounded like something i could do nowadays i'm getting that age you know so what so what is going on what have you been doing in quarantine you're still working right yeah yeah working full time i'm currently at my work from home uh setup i plug my mic in i got a huge monitor were you working from home at all before the quarantine or is this a new thing 
Um, so it, they're always very flexible. I would I would do it like every other week for a day, like once a, once every other week I'd work from home. Pretty chill, but normally I'd work from the couch, right? I'd bring my little laptop, sit on the couch. It's hard to feel like productive or motivated at all when you're like, I got one of those couches, like an L couch, where you can splay your feet out on one end. Oh, yeah, because we got Lucy cool next to you. Lucy, the dog. No, she doesn't get to go on the couch anymore. She went to bad oh, room, what? bad dog school. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to hang out on the couch when mm-hmm. I, when I visited in the old place. So, uh, so I. Oh yeah, she would always hang out. Yeah, I mean, I've always said like, why would you have a dog be, that you didn't sleep with at night? Like half Hunter, the reason of getting a dog is to. I, I don't mean to like call you out on this, but you did rate you did have sled dogs growing up that lived in outdoor houses. And never came inside. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, man. Hope you added this out because <laughs> they weren't mine. They weren't my choice. And also, they weren't ever really pets. They were more like work sure. animals. Sure. And they would howl throughout the night at the few times that I was there. Usually only like two times. It seemed like a lot. But probably because I'm not it, used to it. it. I yeah no it's it's horrible I I'm, I never got used to it I was away at high school I got I, God it, it sucks man yeah no it's really bad um, but yeah no so, don't don't put right, that so, on me that's fine <laughs> so besides work so you've been so you got did you get a new monitor or did you have that monitor already I bought it on Craigslist uh, pre quarantine or post quarantine uh, pre quarantine only by like four days. So you bought it as a preemptive um, buy, thinking you might be working from home, though. You didn't buy it because you I just already kind of knew off. I was gonna be, yeah, yeah. And um, but it's funny because the day of, like, when the announcement came out on Monday, the like I said, the sixteenth went into effect at like um, midnight, twelve oh one on Tuesday. So I'm like, oh fuck, I need an external keyboard and a mouse. I need yeah. a wireless mouse. So I found a dude on Craigslist who was selling selling a um, an Apple keyboard pl- uh, plugged in, but with the number pad. I do a lot of number crunching. I'm kind of the budget guy. I do a lot of budgets, and I got to make sure that the budgets make sense and have the right numbers in them. So I got this uh, USB corded uh, Apple keyboard, twenty bucks. And then as I was about to go, yeah, I, and it's funny because. This is, like I said, pretty early on the 16th, and um, I was like hella paranoid. So I like opened my backpack up. I'm like, can you just drop it in there? So, you know, he's like, no, no, I get it. I get it. I still hate no, but that's cash, a, but that was a good move. And then I was like, great. Well, he's like, well, I was like, well, I already got my external monitor. Now I got my keyboard. All I need now is a wireless mouse. I was kind of like saying to him as like a, I don't know, just a bantery thing. And he's like, wait, he's like, I might have one. How much would you pay for it? <laughs> I was like, oh, an Apple Magic Mouse? He's like, yeah. I was like, 30 bucks? He's like, oh, I don't know. I was like, is it a, is it a, a version one or version two? He says, I think it's two. I was like, with the rechargeable battery? He said, yeah. I was like, okay, I can do 40 for that. That's all I can do. Because cumulatively with my keyboard and my monitor, that's what my company's gonna um, reimburse me. So he went back. Sure enough, came out with a wireless. Wow, so he has a one-stop uh, electronic shop. One-stop shop, and I was like, "Good, I don't want to get the Rona from anyone else." And I've already interacted with yeah. you enough. You've already thrown stuff in my bag, so yeah, we're cool. Drop that mouse in there too. 
<laughs> Here's 40 more bucks. Have you, you obviously, you you know, we started off this episode, we might have, by talking about your uh, cooler situation. Like, what have you done food-wise? Did you, did you, are you, you didn't like hoard a bunch of toilet paper, right? So the funny thing about that, actually, is that I, uh, I looked in my garage and I already had a case of Costco Kirkland toilet paper <laughs> ready to go. Well, that's good though, but so, that means you're like normally participating in the act of hoarding. You're not specifically hoarding for panic. You're just hoarding like a general. No, and that one time I went to Costco, like I told you, they were like long out of toilet paper. Oh no, yeah, yeah. And they ran out of paper towels while I was there. I'm like, I'm sorry, like you don't, no one needs paper towels pretty much. Except if you're dabbing the moisture off of a chicken that you want to salt and uh, dry. I mean, to be fair, we don't need toilet dry paper either. You should, we should all have like bidets and stuff. It's a waste, but you know, it's American Well, culture. you know the bidet sales are definitely doing very well right now. Hey man, I was thinking it's a good time to get a Japanese toilet. I mean, I've been looking at those little like Instagram ad bidets or like a, just, I think they're like a, a toilet seat uh, replacement. <laughs> and they do a bidet, like a tushy, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, and they're pretty reasonable. They're like 50 bucks. And well, I'm glad uh, you got all set up beforehand because that was a big thing. And then the final thing I wanted to ask, I know that we'll, we'll cover more as we go on because every episode we're going to be doing a little bit of this segment, but, um, how how is raising a, a child amongst this like? So uh, it's it's net positivity over stress like by far. Um, it's kind of like having uh, just this incredible other activity like not activities other like responsibility that you are in charge of that doesn't it doesn't really ma- care or matter that it's a um, quarantine. So. Feeling ch- the main challenge is, and we're really lucky because Sarah's off um, and she's at home all day, and I I'm I'm working, but my also my job is like fairly flexible in that if I needed to take an hour off here or there to just be offline and or you know or more if need be like, and we have a we have a very nice big pretty big backyard that we're working on making. We only moved in here in December, but like making it kind of ours. But in the meantime, we're gardening a lot in that process of making it ours and making it what we want. And there's a lot of pavement, and I just got her one of those little, I think, what is it called? It's like Fisher-Price, I think, uh, cars. Might not be Fisher-Price, but you know, like the plastic, colorful cars. Is the ones that you, yeah, the, like Flintstone kind of thing? Precisely. Yeah. yeah. Turns out now, at least, they have a little... Uh, a temporary plastic insert that closes that hole because <laughs> we got, I built I, I put it I built it for Hazel and uh, the first time I didn't have it in there I was like she has the whole point and she like walks around with her own car and she makes a move and uh, she like slowly but surely slipped into the hole uh, below her feet like really slowly in the car just like ran over her and again in a super safe way but just like but i'm just the way i'm picturing it it seems so funny yeah it was fun it was fun okay cool well so that's that's that it sounds it sounds like it's all been pretty positive so that's that's a good thing yeah we're we're doing well i just the last thing i was gonna say in terms of um like prepping and stocking up i just i really want my fucking deep 
my chest freezer to come. I'm prepared to like buy like a forty a forty pound pack of meat from the the, the farms. I, I hear you, and I don't think that's a bad idea. I don't know that that's going to be necessary right now. I don't think we're likely to see food shortages for a while. And even then, like, you know, meat consumption isn't that important. You'll be okay. Well, that's true. But would you argue, would you agree with the argument that it's if you're a significant other is historically not down with buying, like, you know, a quarter of a cow, but this is a reason that they are willing to? That one should take advantage of that. Uh, look, I think any excuse to get out of the industrial farming complex where you can like meet with a farmer directly and get the you know product from them, that's a plus. It doesn't matter what the reason is. So I think regardless of how you're going about it, this is it's a good move. I just I I wouldn't say it's a necessary move. I wouldn't say you're going to be like starving or in trouble because of this as you well, said it's less morally problematic certainly than getting delivery food yeah. sent all the well time. luckily um luckily sarah doesn't listen to this podcast so i think we're fine yeah that's good okay good good my quarantine i'm gonna talk about what's going on around me for a little bit if that's okay uh so i should start off by saying uh the quarantine began with me losing all of my jobs um now my wife is still employed, so thankfully we have some income coming in. And I got my potential $1,200 check coming through in the mail, plus maybe some tax refund money. So it's not all bad, but it's definitely looking like it's going to be a rough summer for my savings to debt ratio overall. Um, the first job to go was, of course, my interactive theater job. Uh, but as of right now, I have no... Uh, employment, no potential for employment aside from a couple of freelance gigs that might be out there on Upwork and things like that. Um, but I'm not freaking out. And, and like I said, I take solace in the fact that other people are going through the same thing. I'm getting a chance to work on some projects of my own uh, and for my company that I didn't have time for before. So there are things that are positives that I can do career-wise during this time period. Uh, but I'm also obviously taking into account the fact that I'm not going to have a lot of income coming in for a while, at least not what I expected. So I'm trying to buy less stuff. And I also don't have any external uh, financial responsibilities like a dog or a baby. So that helps a lot too. You know? <laughs> um, I'm getting to spend a lot of extra time with my wife because she's home. You know, this is the time when it would be busy season. She's an accountant. So um, she's not, she wouldn't be home a lot. Uh, she was planning to be in the office until midnight, so now she's working till midnight. Oh shit! Here. Really? Um, which you know is is nice. I mean, yeah, well, she was until recently. She's actually like now things have calmed down because the March fifteenth deadline passed. Obviously, uh, they were like there was still stuff going on about a week. It's st- there's still stuff going on now, but it's not as it's not nearly as extreme as it was. And like I said, it's nice to be able to spend time with her even through that because I could see it, even though she's stressed out, we're stressed out together. You know, and you could alleviate her stress, maybe. Yeah, and we've been playing some board games and jigsaw puzzles. It's really nice to have somebody here, like going through this quarantine with somebody else. And I realize that's a really privileged thing to begin with. It's like uh, to be able to have somebody here for this is is really good. Um, so I feel very, I'm very thankful that I'm living in a place that has as much space as it does, that has some outdoor space nearby that I can walk around that uh with with a person who i love who i can spend time with um, those are all real positives and like i said it's time to catch up on other projects can you imagine but i think the big difference 
for me right now, I work a lot from home anyway. So the big difference for me is that I don't have any work outside of the house where I'd usually be working like half of my hours outside of the house. Um, and as a result, I have to do a lot more personal scheduling for a time where I would normally have to be working. Can you imagine if you were like just living by yourself during this time? Which again, I would not say is inherently horrible, but like I would not. No, and it's especially not horrible because of the time period we live in. Because of the internet, because of our ability to have things like Zoom meetings, and because of video games, and because of... Uh, you know, there's a Netflix and a thousand other factors as to why this one wouldn't be so bad on your own. Um, and and I'm I, you know I'm also kind of a, I'm an introvert for the most part. I'm an introvert with extrovertist tendencies. You know, so like for me, it's like I probably wouldn't be going out that much anyway, outside of going to dinner and going hiking maybe more at parks that are closed. Um, there's not really like a whole lot that this affects in my life outside of my jobs. Like when it comes to theater and film, I really can't do much because I can only do stuff that I can do by myself, you know? I'm working on some film projects that might be able to unite and, and use this to our advantage, but it's not like those are things that I had planned pre-quarantine. Well, we should obviously write a horror movie that's just like on Zoom. It'd be so easy. I think people are already working on that, but yeah, but yeah we should. Stuck in one place? Bored of the usual? Sick of your surroundings? Well, why not try switching up your room? That's right, from the makers of Zoom, it's Room, the VR simulator where you and your friends can meet up in a digital space. College friends trying to play beer pong in a dorm? You got it. S&M Collective missing your favorite sex dungeon? It's there. Moon Landing Conspiracy Group that wants to meet on the Apollo soundstage? We got you covered. If you've ever wanted to feel really close to your family and friends while simultaneously experiencing all the random technical issues of an internet conversation, then this is the platform for you. So download Room today, wherever apps that promote pretend social interaction can be found. Um, Alright, so now let's go to the second part, unless you have something you want to add in. No, we have a lot, but yeah, we're, we're well behind schedule. Yeah, that's fine. We got we got time for these last few. I, I we have already covered a lot of this stuff, so I think we're okay. So uh, the second, what we wanted to really focus on in this episode is how did we get here and what we could have done differently. Now in the future, we'll look more like what's going to happen, where we're at, etc. But like right now, we're two weeks into quarantine. We've known about coronavirus since at least mid January. I think that's the first time I knew about it. I don't know if you knew prior to that. Well, someone told me it was probably you that their first case was on like December 26th it was in December because that's why it's named COVID-19 it's it's COVID-2019 but it it was from from what I understand at least from you know retroactively reading about it it seems like the the Chinese government uh which is not to blame this on China we're not I'm not doing that at all uh but they definitely censored the fact that it was the outbreak was happening it was at least as bad as it was and it wasn't until doctors really started to reach out on social media that the world found out that this was happening right right uh, and, and there was like the one was doctor who like who got a the one doctor you know the first doctor who text who messaged his friends and got in trouble remember and then mm-hmm. and then died. later died yeah exactly yeah yeah that guy yeah so I think I think that's that's kind of around when we started to hear about it. I had kind of discounted it for a while in the same way like I thought about it like 
I think I think a lot of people did think about it like SARS or any or you know SARS was another coronavirus or like Ebola or or the swine flu or the thousands of other things and this is part of the complacency we had about it is that we think about it like these other diseases. I don't think uh, we, I don't think at we, that time I don't think we do, dude. I really don't. No, no, not you and me. I just meant like society as a whole, right? Um, so so then uh, I remember sometime I think it was in early February I know in January we had our first case here right that was when we and South Korea simultaneously had those first cases I think it was like January 26 or something I can edit in an exact date but I think it's something like that the date was actually January 20th and ours was in California right yeah and I think it was somebody brought over it was somebody from China I want to say it was in Washington actually was it California Oh yeah, no Washington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as one guy who came over, uh, it was it was we thought we'd have a contain. Honestly, I at the time was was still pretty optimistic about everything. It wasn't until it hit Italy, and once it was in Italy, and it was they had they had known that it was had been in Italy for a week, without being detected, that I thought, oh, this is done because Europe is so interconnected in terms of travel. That like once it gets out there, it will spread across the world, and I, and I felt very pessimistic about the way our administration, being so anti-science and being bad at long-term planning and strategy, would react to this kind of thing. Yeah, you know, it reminds me of something that I was listening to earlier this week, just around the very logical reason why our hospitals are so easily overwhelmed, and it speaks to the fact that like. Hospitals, generally speaking, are for-profit businesses, and mm-hmm. there's no incentive to have empty beds, right? An empty bed is essentially a liability financially because you're paying for the, the real estate that it takes up and also just like maintaining the electronics, whatever else, right? Like it's also i mean i think more more specifically the uh, the operate the opportunity cost rather is pretty... i think it's the same thing with all medical supplies when you're talking about ventilators masks etc like you're talking about things that like well, we don't invest in unless i mean i don't mean like as a government i mean like hospitals are not yeah. going to buy masks until it's a necessity because there's not a because it's all about a profit incentive if they don't need them then why would they put the money into them right exactly it's not going to be until it's absolutely necessary that they would be able to prove that and their revenue stream is coming from insurance companies so then that like they would need to only buy them once they were reasonably assured that insurance companies would reimburse them for buying things like that based on what their patients were coming in with or leaving with or whatever Right, so like yeah. it's it's all very fucked, basically. My friend sent me and Sarah, our friend sent us this screenshot of a tweet. Okay, so this this tweet was from March twentieth when it was already very bad then. So the tweet says, "Tom Steyer doing back that ass up with juvenile was just eighteen days ago," <laughs> and I really appreciate it. That was March 20th, so that was like a week and a couple days ago, but dude, week and a half ago. No, it's so true. I mean, we I, I, I have a convo with two of my other friends where we um, send each other a lot of political stuff, and I can remember a month back 
making our first jokes about coronavirus and like how bad it was going to be. And even in my jokes, I didn't predict it was going to be this bad. Like even in my cynical version of reality, I couldn't imagine it was going to be quite as bad as it's going to be. I, I started to imagine that, you know, a few weeks ago when it looked like, oh, we're not dealing with this. But, uh, but at that point I was, um, I, I still had that optimism that like, oh, we'll find a way to deal with this because the people like Mitch McConnell, like Trump, uh, who are most susceptible to this illness are also the people in charge and they will look out for themselves, number one. And it turns out they are not as smart or organized as I previously thought. Yeah, I'm sure they're not thinking about it in that lens about themselves, right? It's like very Yeah, well, it often feels like when Trump right. says talks about seniors being under attack and that they all need to be quarantined, he doesn't realize he falls under that designation. But presumably someone's telling him that. They have to be, but it's very confusing sometimes when he's saying that. I, like, I just don't... I mean, He must know that in the back of his mind. I'm just saying, like, in terms of, like, looking out for yourself, you think that these old men would be more cautious about their own health uh, yeah, than they insane. have been. Doesn't make any sense. But I think the things that really got us here, like, when we talk about, like, why this happened, like, what we could have done to prevent it, I think there's a few basic things. One is obviously we don't stress preventative measures enough in science. And and um, we talk about it a lot in environmental crises, but we don't take a lot of preventative risk measurements. We only take them when they're absolutely necessary, like you were talking about with the hospitals. We're very profit-driven society, so and especially in this administration, we're not willing to make products that we don't know are going to be used, right? Yeah. And I think besides the bad science, you know, this administration historically has ignored the advice of experts, citing anecdotal evidence over scientific consensus, etc. Um, the things that we could have done early on that would have prevented this are things like expanding tech, uh, expanding testing, producing more masks, producing more ventilators, quarantining earlier, etc. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's also kind of a double-edged sword because, like, if we had done those things, I feel like we would be talking about, as a society, the fact that we overreacted to this thing because it wouldn't yep. have been as bad as it is, right? Yep. And I feel like that's the problem with, like, the American mentality about how to deal with this issue. And I'm hoping it's something we realize now that, like, with climate change, for example, or with the next pandemic, that it is worth investing substantially in, you know— uh, preventative measures for these for these large risks whether they happen or not because the risk is so bad yeah i so hope so and i have zero expectations that that will happen oh yeah for sure i mean i'm just as cynical as ever about it but i but i feel like it's important to talk about and it it's really important for me with the way that this and I, I i'm sorry to keep harping on this administration but i feel like you know we i talked about earlier in this in this episode there's not much we can do right but there's even less I can do about like things like how the Chinese government mishandled this, right? What I can deal with is how we mishandled it. Um, yeah. And I can criticize our government for that even more than I can criticize the Chinese government because they could have done something because I voted for those people. I mean, I didn't vote for Trump, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like I have a stake in that. But I do feel like we could have been South Korea and instead we're worse than Italy. And I, and I know that everyone's harping about South Korea and Taiwan right now, but it's just so important to me that like we had the first case on the same day as South Korea 
And when we said we undercut that for a month and a half and said it wasn't going to be that bad and didn't really put our foot down until the beginning of March and even then didn't quarantine until mid-March, they started making testing one week after the government's first case. And they they made all their companies make tests. And by you know mid-February, they were producing 100,000 kits per day. Uh, and it's like, if we had done that, we would not be in this situation now we would have a more open economy. We would have uh, a more freer lifestyle and, and we would not have these hospital surges that we're seeing. I agree, but at the same time, like the problem is, is that we don't have the luxury of any surge capacity at all. And I'm the biggest proponent for testing ab- uh, above everything. But like, these idiots don't have any tests, you know? Like, what are we going to fucking do? With this, when it happens so fast, it becomes so apparent that you can't talk to people about it. Like, people don't understand what a virus is. So being able to explain, like, how immunity works is a really complex thing. And and I, I feel like it's really hard to talk about, like, you know, why we would need more tests or why we would need more masks or what, you know, when Trump talks about like, you know, hospitals usually have two ventilators and they're asking for 30,000 right now in New York state. Yeah. Cause they need a lot more ventilators. They don't normally need this many. Like that is what's going on. Uh, and I feel like it's really hard to explain those kind of issues if you don't understand the basic like numbers and the data and the, the ability to discuss the crisis as it evolves. Yeah, well, I think that got thrown out the window a long time ago, <laughs> talking about the data in a responsible way, right? Is there anything else you want to say about, like, how this has been handled so far and, like, what, what we could have done differently or, like, what what we can do now? No, I think it's all been said, and I just, ah, man. I, I know that Trump's going to spin it as a victory, and I guess that's what gets me really, really bummed out. That's all I'll say. Yeah, he's definitely going to try to spin it. He's already trying to. And I, I really hope, you know, one of the things I want to stress in this particular episode is that we don't allow uh, people to rewrite the historical narrative that we know is to be true. And I don't mean that just for liberals. I mean that for everyone across the board. Like, please remember how this happened. Please remember the things that were said. Don't don't allow short-term memory and, and the propaganda from anyone to override the knowledge of the data and everything else and i'm not again this isn't trying to be like a partisan thing i just think it's important to remember what mistakes were made so we don't make those mistakes in the future because this will not be the last pandemic this will not be the last time this thing happens and we need to be better yeah before we get out of here we got a couple of like fun segments right at the end here just to add some positivity in here so first uh well, i asked you to to pull one positive news story to share yeah yeah so you want to go first? I, I got a couple. So I, I you said you had one. So I'm going to let you go. Yeah, I got one. I just got one. It's nice. All right, what do you got? Okay, so you might have known that there was a bit of a shelter-in-place situation, right? Yeah. It's a little scary. But there's one piece of silver lining. Can I tell you about it? Sure. Just after San Francisco ordered most businesses closed and barred non-essential gatherings and outings on March 17th, as I mentioned, a week ago today. No. 
just wait, just one, no, two weeks ago, right? No, two weeks ago. Two yeah. weeks ago, yeah. Sorry. Wow, dude, time is weird when you're home, am I right? Oh, it's so weird. It's. I feel like it's been a month, and it's been, like, I was just thinking, like, my God, I've been so lazy these last couple weeks. I was like, no, I did a shitload last week. It's really just been this last week, and I wasn't even being <laughs> lazy. It just feels that way because time's very weird. Yeah, it's just, it's not linear I did two anymore. weeks of work normally in a week, and everything's fine. Calm down. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not alone. So, basically, what I want to tell you guys is that since that day, crime in San Francisco has dropped dramatically. Oh, that's amazing. Violent crime was down 31% during the first week of the shelter in place. Wow. Compared with the same period in 2019. Property crime rates were nearly 50% lower. You'd think that the the criminals, like the argument all the time, right, is that like criminals don't obey the law. So you think they would be disobeying the shelter in place as much as anybody, but, uh, but no. Yeah. Turns out, no. So... That's my little healthy piece of news. Silver lining. What's yours, bud? Uh, well, I had a, a few, uh, but a lot of them have been shared on the internet. I was really going to share some environmental stuff because obviously there's a lot of pro-environmental things. Not so much from the government regulation perspective, but more from like, you know, people aren't driving cars as much. So we're seeing a lot of good CO2 results over the and last the dolphins in weeks. Italy and whatnot. Okay. Well, okay. So there's twofold. Two things I want to say. So the reason I didn't bring up the environmental stuff is it's kind of eco-fascism to view things that way. Like, I don't really think, like, uh, the virus is a good thing, per se, in that way. So I'm not going to try to spin it as a positive, despite the fact that I might feel that way sometimes. Uh, Number two, uh, in terms of the eco-stories that I do want to share, a lot of them are fake, like the dolphins of the Venice Canal, uh, which is just not a thing. Um, oh man it's not that there aren't it, the venice canals are clear but there aren't dolphin those dolphins sarah's gonna be super sad with the, the elephants in the tea garden wait the elephants the, the drunk sure. elephants in the tea garden was fake yep. too not true either not real <laughs> oh man <laughs> this is not henry hobbs it just like let me yeah this is a real bummer fucking... <laughs> Christopher... oh man so, that, so i didn't share a so I didn't have the environmental stories, okay, for a variety of reasons. So yeah, those didn't happen. What I do have, uh, I, now I have two pieces. Uh, I'm, I'm actually going to share a few just because I got a few built up because we've been we waited this episode. Well, we need it now that we know that all the only good things are fake. So are, are fake, yeah. So first one is that a 103-year-old grandmother in China survived the coronavirus, which really? is great for all our elderly wow. people. Yeah, it's nice to know that like. You know, age is certainly a factor in the disease, but it doesn't have to be a factor on an individual level. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, any age, you can make it through. So, number two, uh, Erasmus Medical Center. This was, again, a couple weeks ago. They found an antibody, uh, which might be able to fight coronavirus and help to make a medicine in the long run. Great. It's pretty good. Might I'll take, take it, yeah. Okay. I'll take it, yeah. It's pretty good. Uh, and then this happened today. So, there's been a couple what? vaccines in early development. What? Sorry, what? Like a reactionary. Oh. What? Oh. Okay, so a couple a couple a couple of vaccines have been in early development, but today the HHS uh, sped up the approval for one in particular. Now they're still aiming for early 2021, but we're talking about a lot they're talking about doing clinical trials in the fall. So, 
we could know as early as September, October about the potential of a vaccine coming out in early next year. So mm, that's yeah. all good things to think about. That's good. Thank yeah. you. Uh, I, I mean, you're, you're, again, I don't want to undercut the environmental stuff. It's definitely good in terms of greenhouse gases, et cetera. There's just no dolphins in the Venice Canal. So sorry. Sorry. Or if there are, they were already there. That's my point. Well, yes, I just, I'm, I'm feeling, I, it didn't make any sense, and I just, I wanted to believe so bad. <laughs> yeah, I was really convinced. Honestly, like, it really, I, I had a lot of those stories on here when I had first, like, written up the notes <laughs> two weeks ago, and then the more that I looked into them, the more that they all turned out to be fake. So what were the swans doing? I cut all those. There were swans Swans, somewhere? again, fake. Another fake one. That was another Venice Canal one. Fake. They were in this. Not, it's not fake because there are swans, but there were always swans in the Venice Canals. Has nothing to do with them being clean. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on. Uh, final thing: uh, TV shows, movies, video games. What are you doing uh, to entertain yourself during quarantine? So yes, thank you, Josh. Um, I have recently taken up after having beaten Red Dead Redemption. Two and also Grand Theft Auto, what is it, five? Yes, um, I, yeah, I found that couldn't have been recent, that had to be like a year ago at least. It was that was Grand Theft Auto 5. when I had a newborn, she slept a lot, and and I would often find myself watching her and standing up and playing video games while she slept and stealing. And cars, I beat those two games, gunning down the cops. Yeah, very. I would plug my headphones, dude. The headphone it jack and the in your PlayStation oh, controller. Game changer, game changer. So yeah, it's really it's so good. Really clutch. Yeah, yeah. So I would do that, and then um, recently I was itching for a game and started playing The Last of Us, and boy, that kind of that that itches the scratch. I'll tell you what. Yeah, it's a great game. I, I've I, I which I've started playing that as well. That's been my quarantine game for the last couple of weeks. I had it downloaded a couple months ago, and people have been telling me to play it for years. But now I finally have some time, and it feels like it's time to get around to playing that game. It's also a little surreal, though, with all the talk of quarantine and government regulations. Yeah, it's a little creepy. But it's also nice to consider reality more fucked up than this one, you know? Like... Like things it's could 20 be twenty years later. <laughs> well, not even just yeah, twenty years later, but I mean, like zombies would be a step above what we're going through. Like at least I'm not having to fight my loved ones. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and the plot is amazing. I, I actually cried a little at a scene. Dude, the beginning of it alone is just ruins me. So I was I was telling Sarah, and I was like, <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing this. This is horrible. But well, it gets better. So it does. There's a lot. Of, you know, it goes. It goes up and down. It's like The Walking Dead, but better in terms of the characterizations, where they're not just trying to create drama. They're, I think they're earning it for the most. Well, part. yeah, I have. I, I, I feel have, like I'm ha- about halfway through. I have my core crew, and I'm good to go. So well, things I've been watching. Um, uh, I've been watching Westworld and Devs, uh, which are basically the same show, just in two different time periods. Um. So I feel like I'm living in this sort of like weird sci-fi side reality right now. I watched Castlevania because I'm a child, um, which was okay. The second season was way better than this third one for anyone who's actually interested. Uh, 
it. But that's some cool elements. Bill Nighy's in it. Um, I also, right before the quarantine, watched Sex Education. Have you seen that show? No. Okay, you should get on that because I think you and Sarah would really like it. Uh, where yeah, where is it on? Netflix. It was a Netflix. It was a. I think it was a BBC show first. The Netflix just buys it after they. Right. Yeah. Um, Sounds about right. Very British. Stars the kid who was in Hugo. Um, but what's really cool about it, so it's it's like it takes a lot of the conventions and tropes from other teenage comedies like Ten Things I Hate About You, Sixteen Candles, etc., etc. Uh, but it makes them it, it, it puts them in the range of a wider variety of characters that represent uh, different races, religions, genders, sexualities, etc. Yeah. Like, basically, it takes like traditional themes and puts them into a much bigger context. Expresses them for a wider audience yeah, of people. I, I'm into it. Yeah. Yeah. And so like. Yeah, it's a really cool show for anyone who grew up on those kind of things and is into that kind of stuff anyway. My favorite thing about it is that there were really no villains mm. in the show. Uh, there were people who you think of as being like the bad guys in the social cliques or whatever in the early episodes, but everyone is redeemed and gets given a full picture of their life by the end of the mm -hmm. second season, which is really cool. Yeah. All right, everyone, stay safe. Don't panic. Uh, and remember, this is uh, just a... a, a an amount of time. Have a beer. Passes. Yeah, you know. Yeah, have a beer. Listen to some new Run the Jewels. All right, we love you. Bye, friends. Henry, Henry, Henry and Hops in quarantine. Henry, Henry, Henry and Hops. It's everything you think you might have seen. It's not a podcast. It's more of a show. Really, a lifestyle, I would say. Buy a better beer. Don't try to be a better human being.